Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Amen. Word of God for meditation this morning is our first lesson, Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3 and 10 to 10 and 11, which you find printed in your bulletin and are already, were already read. Dear fellow saints of the Lord, you're playing second base on your softball team, and the bases are loaded with the other team at bat and the came tied. As the pitcher waits for the next batter to come to the plate, apparently there was some confusion about who was up next. Your mind wanders a bit, and as you think about what's for dinner, you're kind of hungry. And all of a sudden, you hear a crack, and though you react, you're not quite fast enough, and what should have been an easy grounder passes into right field between you and the first baseman. A run scores. All of your teammates and half the crowd looks at you, and in guilty embarrassment, you raise your head and say, sorry, that's on me. Or, your boss has called you and your coworkers in for a meeting. There's a new project starting up, and while it presents some exciting new opportunities, there are also some big responsibilities involved. After assigning each of your colleagues relatively minor pieces of the project, the boss turns to you and says, all this other stuff, the key elements, the things that make the difference between this project failing or succeeding... This is your responsibility. It's all on you. We are all familiar with the weight of responsibility. Sometimes it's a burden of guilt for wrong things that we've done or right things we've failed to do. Other times it's duty loaded on our shoulders, wanted or unwanted, and we know it makes a difference whether we follow through or not. You know what it is like to have everything on you. And since we know that that's the way life works, it's only natural to assume that the things that matter most for us as individuals are also all on us. We want to blame others when things go wrong, and we want others to do the hard work, but you know, so that we don't have to, but we, even more than that, we, we want to take credit for what is good and to be able to say, I did that, when things go right. But then what about comfort and joy? Is getting those in your life, especially when you're not currently feeling any of either, on you? How about making your life, or even your face, beautiful? Mending your heart when it's broken? Soothing your spirit when you experience grief? Breaking free of conditions that keep you captive? Solving the problem of death? Are all of these on you? How about saving yourself from sin? And the price of sin, hell. 
How about making yourself perfectly holy so God will welcome you to heaven when you die? Are these on you? If you had a choice, would you really want to take responsibility for all of those things? Because as much as we naturally want to take the credit for what is good and what goes right in our lives, the reality is that when we choose to take the responsibility for some of those things on ourselves, we must also bear the burden for all of those things. Because it's all or nothing. There is neither shared credit nor shared blame when it comes to the condition and fate of our souls. And an even sadder reality is that when we say, okay, that's on me, we always fail. Always. Inevitably. Eternally. We are, by nature, sinful and corrupt, and every sin stains us further. So we cannot make ourselves righteous and pure. No more than you can get yourself clean after falling into a mud puddle using muddy water and a muddy towel. <laughs> no matter how much effort you put into it, all you succeed in is moving the dirt around. You never actually get clean. And you cannot save yourself from your sins and the death and damnation they have earned you. No more than a, a drowning man can throw himself a line or a life preserver from a passing boat. And I, I cannot make God like me or love me, because by nature I rebel against him and my sinful mind is hostile to everything he wants for me. So we are unable to bind up our own broken hearts. We cannot comfort ourselves when we're mourning a loss. We cannot set ourselves free from the conditions of our sinful flesh and a, a sinful world that, that, that bind us. So if we proudly claim responsibility for our lives and our souls and say of all of these things, that's on me, we doom ourselves to failure and to grief, and to mourning, and terror, and weeping, and gnashing of teeth. So what is there left to do? There is, really, only one solution. We turn to God, our Creator and Lord, and we say, all of these failures all of these errors, all of these evils, they are all on me. I cannot help myself. I have no hope except you, O Lord. Only you, Lord, can save me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then, what does he do? Everything. Everything that we cannot do. Everything that we need done for us. And it starts with loving us and wanting all people everywhere of every time to be saved. The Lord wants no one in hell. And so from the very beginning, He made a plan, and that plan was Jesus. 
God's Son, born to Mary as her Son and as all the world's Savior. In our reading from Isaiah, He speaks as the Messiah. And He tells us sinners that it is all on Him. It is His mission and responsibility to to meet our deepest needs and to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. His mission and responsibility to preach good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion and to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display His beauty. And since this is all on Jesus, something more was put on Him, a special anointing of the Holy Spirit, which happened at His baptism by John in the Jordan River. God the Father made sure that His Son had everything He could ever need in order to accomplish all that he had been sent to do. And Christ did it all. He rescued us from our sins and the punishment we deserved because of them by stepping in front of us and and taking the judgment that they deserved in our place. He suffered and died on the cross so that his life as the Son of God could serve as the sacrifice that satisfy God's righteous wrath against our rebellion. And His blood washed us clean of our sins and all of our filth and corruption. So now we know and trust the good news that our sins are forgiven and gone forever. Our broken hearts are are bound up because the source of our troubles has been eliminated. We are set free from our captivity to sin and Satan, and we see that our victor has defeated every enemy, ended every evil, and set right every wrong. We are comforted, and even the way we grieve has been changed. We have hope instead of despair. Where once in our hearts there was mourning, now there is joy. Where once there was weakness, now there is strength. Where once there was ugliness, now there is beauty. And now, each and every believer can be confident of what's on him or her. Christ's own robe of righteousness. We rejoice in this. We rejoice in the Lord. Our souls celebrate because of Him. For He he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness He covered me, like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest, and like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. You see, who we are in God's eyes has been changed. When he sees us now, he does not see the sinners that that we were born and that we practiced so much to be. Instead, he sees saints, his own children, clothed in the perfection that his son earned with his life of obedience on earth and 
transferred to us at the cross. Which means that now we live as saints, as the people of God that we are called and equipped to be. We pray and work that we might have growth, that righteousness and praise sprout up in the presence of all the nations. We take hold of our baptisms and and how they teach us to every day drown our old Adam by repenting of our sins and, and to trust that we have been truly washed clean and made perfect and holy as God's children. We read and study, and listen to, and follow the encouragements and instructions of Scripture that that guide us in Christian living, as with Paul in our second lesson today. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. We rejoice as believers, as the people of God, as as new creations in Christ, because what's on us now is all the good stuff. Salvation, eternal life, righteousness, mercy, love, grace, wisdom, protection, victory, fellowship, confidence, direction. And with that does come responsibility. Responsibility to to live as the people that we have been created and called to be, but that responsibility is not a burden. It is a joy and a privilege and, and something that we are happy to strive for and work at with the Lord's help every day. We're happy to have it on us because of what God put on Jesus for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.